0: voices will be heard saying it's done the lord wants to awaken a groan again what it's rooted in is a fascination like imagine you have one opportunity to ask him questions if you consider the heavens the glory the power the wonder if you consider it all it's a speck in comparison to what lives in you because the one that spawned it looked at you and said i want you to be my everlasting habitation The last time I was with you was at habitation and and I talked about a groan for habitation. How many of you were at that, at the habitation night? I wanna, it's gonna be be a Christmas message, okay? Toward the end. Um, But I I don't wanna just preach something because it's that time of the year. We should always be prophesying that just like the king came, he's coming again. And he's coming with his kingdom this time. And so it should be really a way of life for us, not just something we talk about once a year at the right time, and we all wear green and red. I went different. I chose to be different a little bit today. But um, when I was with you last, we talked about this desire for God to come and dwell, and it's something I've been talking to you about since we started. But Ecclesiastes 3, you don't have to turn there, and I just wanna give a quick recap to kind of set up where I believe the Lord wants us to go today. But Ecclesiastes 3, 10 through 11 says, I've seen the travail which God hath given the sons of men. Just write it down, Ecclesiastes 3.10, study it on your own time. Which God has given the sons of men to be exercised in it. So it's important to see God gave a travail to man. And this travail was intentional from God because it was about exercising something out of man. And it goes on and it says, he has made everything beautiful in its time. Also, he set eternity in their hearts. And so you, as you dissect and we don't have time to deeply get into it but as you dissect it you begin to see what is being exercised out of man only by way of travail is eternity. how many of you came from God chosen in him before the foundation of the world right you, you in your spirit the deepest part of who you are is the truth your soul your flesh it's not the truth the spirit of man that has become one with the spirit of God, Touched its origin when you said yes to Jesus, and you're working your way toward what you've always been. Okay, and so eternity is within us, Christ in you, the hope of glory. I ask my kids all the time, "Where's Jesus live in my heart?" And so I'll say, "Does he also live in heaven?" Yes. Well, what does that make your heart? And they say, "Heaven." Right, January or January. Well, now I'm saying dates. John, John, seventeen, three. <laughs> John, January, It goes around, comes around. I made fun of him and yeah, you reap what you sow. I honestly live for the moments that I can make fun of Costi. I can make fun of Michelle. It just makes me very happy. But anyway, so um, John 17:3. this is life eternal that we may know God right? So we've learned it. eternal life is we're not flying away somewhere. We're not going to a planet near Pluto called heaven, but Jesus came in the form of a manger in humble beginnings. They wanted a political military leader. They didn't realize they were getting heaven, and God brought heaven to earth in a body, the incarnation of God himself. A man walked around on the earth with a chromosome called God in his body, right? And he restored what was lost, And so now we don't have to wait to die to go to heaven, but heaven has been actually filled inside of man and we will live the rest of our lives stuck. We will live the rest of our lives with this burden, with this travail of heaven's in me, but I'm stuck on the earth. We'll live with this This cry within our hearts of we're longing for our heavenly habitation because the seed called the Holy Spirit is already within us, right? The guarantee that the full payment is coming and it's going to overtake our bodies, it's going to overtake the earth, and the physical earth and heaven will be one, all right? And so you see this travail that God has given men. I don't see a lot of travail in the West right? But there's a travail and that word travail means the pressure and pain of giving birth. It's the pressure and the pain of giving birth. And then it says he put eternity in our hearts and this eternity within us is giving us a groan. And so my problem is, is, and I don't know how many have ever felt this. Oftentimes what religion potters you to think is God is distant from you. Anyone ever have moments where you're frustrated because you feel distant from God? Raise your hand, right? Especially in the secret place. You know, it's like your whole day is ruined because you like tried to get somewhere, but you couldn't. I would tell you, be encouraged. That's the groan I'm talking about. That's, there's already something in you. You're not trying to get to something. There's already something in you and it's agitating you. It's, it's messing with, with your insides and you're longing for something and it's the longing that God is after. So my spirit has heaven in it, but I live in this constant contradiction of I'm in a fallen world and creation, it says, is groaning for the sons of God, right? So we enter into that groan, but we're also the answer to the groan. I was struck. I, you know, it's funny. I asked the Lord the other day. It's amazing. I, I would encourage you to be childlike with your relationship with Him. I asked the Lord the other day. I said, Lord, I want you to wake. I want you to start waking me up at like three. And like, I want to hear you say, like, "Come away." I want it to be romantic. I want it to be beautiful. And I'm gonna get up. And I'm gonna get up in the middle of the night. And I'm gonna be with you when there's. Cause my house is like, if you wake up at seven or later, you're done. There's. There's no going back. You will not be alone for the rest of the day. Um, because once Benji's up, over. The whole day is about Benji moving forward. So I'm like, I got to get up really early, you know? And so first night I asked, I kind of just like in a way casually asked him like a child. And I wake up and I look at my phone, it's 321. And I hear a voice say, you asked me. But i was so sick i started to reason my way out of that voice like i'm just hearing things and this happened four days in a row four days in a row so finally i don't know what's wrong with me it was like i asked for it but then my flesh fought it what i wanted to do i couldn't do you know i immediately went to romans 7 and that's just not who we are and uh And the Lord gave me exactly what I wanted and I finally listened and I went into my room in the first place he led me and he just, this is all he talked to me about at 321 in the morning. Enter by the narrow gate, Matthew 7. For wide is the gate and broad is the way that leads to destruction. In other words, it's easy to get there. You don't have to be intentional. And there are many, many Everyone say many, it's a sad word. There are many who go by its way. But listen to this, but narrow is the gate and difficult is the way which leads to life. Difficult, everyone say difficult. You didn't sign up for Christianity to have it easy. Difficult is the way that leads to life and there are few who find it. So I spent all morning saying, Lord, I wanna be the few the dangerous prayers of, I want that way, the difficult way. And that word, listen, narrow, narrow is the gate. That word again is pressure. Pressure is the way. It's like pushing through a crowd. It's you're going the other direction, right? It's pushing through a crowd. It's pressure like giving birth. It's just like travail. In other words, travail is the way. It's the pressing of grapes, a compressed way. It's suffering. In tribulation, it's what would drive a man like Paul to say, I want to know you, the power of your resurrection, and we always leave this part out, and the fellowship of your sufferings. Paul would say, it's my honor to bear the marks of the Lord in my body. Christmas message, you ready? We'll, you know, ring some bells at the end, or sun make you feel better. May Christmas Eve sober us. Prophetically, that he's coming. He came and he's coming. 2 Corinthians 5, 1 through 5, for we know that in this tent, this earthly home is destroyed. We have a building from God. It's a house not made with hands. It's eternal in the heavens. It's forever. It will never die. It will never fade. It won't get wrinkly or large. Praise God. For in this tent, we groan, we groan, longing to put on our heavenly dwelling. If indeed by putting it on, we may not be found naked. For while we are still in this tent, we groan being burdened, not that we be unclothed, but that we would be further clothed so that what is mortal may be swallowed up by life. Remember, the only way to life that leads to life is narrow. Pressure, difficulty, trial. God says, run toward that stuff. You wanna find life, be the few that run toward that stuff. He who has prepared us for this very thing is God who has given us the spirit as a guarantee. The hungry Christian should feel stuck. We should feel stuck between two worlds. We should feel the friction and contradiction of I don't belong here. It's why I tell you all the time, be very careful and mindful of messages that is all about preparing you for here. 80% of what I hear when I turn on the TV or watch YouTube videos, it is messages that have good one-liners their are smiths, and it's all about how you can be blessed, how you can be successful, and you can do it well on the earth and be the best version of yourself. I read a very different gospel that says the only way to true life is you have to die to what you want, to the desire to be blessed, the need for money, the need for all of this stuff. And God says, until I break you down to nothing, I can't be all in all. But once I become all in all, I will give you a life called Zoe, where you can be in prison and have the ability to say rejoice you want to talk about true rest true rest is not your mansion in southern california although that was nice true rest is not by the beach you know like i was driving around in tennessee the other day and it's and at the time it was fall and it's orange it's so much prettier than here i'm sorry guys Every time I drive back, I'm like, I forgot about the bushes that we call trees here. <laughs> you guys are proud of Texas though, I love it. And I'm driving around and you feel this sense of, oh, it's so nice. And, and I hear the Lord say, don't get stuck in the false rest. Yeah. Trees and lattes is not rest. <laughs> rest is your suffering, it's difficult, there's pressure, there's no money, and you can't help but be happy, that's called rest. That's called joy, unspeakable peace that surpasses understanding, that's rest. So we have therapy today and God is sobering the church. People that are drunk, like Luke 21 says, on the cares of this life. People get drunk to rid themselves of reality it'll want the difficult way but a king is coming and he's not coming in a manger this time so there's a fullness of time that's coming and i just want to write these verses down where all that is heaven will overtake all that is earth and it'll all be in christ all of it don't worry about joe biden listen all that is heaven, all that is glory is going to become one with the earth. This is not a political answer. It's not a military answer. It's a king is coming with his whole domain that's been prepared for him. Ephesians 1, 9 through 10. Having made known to us the mystery of his will, according to his good pleasure, which he purposed in himself, like there's no great, he, he purposed it in himself. In other words, Jesus is like, I don't change. I'm the same yesterday, today, and forever. I'm not like man, I'm immutable. I don't have bad days, I'm constant, always, forever. A.W. Tozer, everything God is, he is forever and immutably. He doesn't just say I love you momentarily like we do when you do something good for me. His love is actually unconditional. For too long, we've preached a, a, an unconditional, conditional God. Right, But actually, when he says, I love you, he's not just saying, I love you momentarily. He's saying, I love you and I love you forever because I can't be anything else. So I want you to see something he purposed in himself. He he put it within himself because he knows that he can't change and it proves that it's coming. Right? And so because he's immutable, he can say things like, I've purposed this within myself that in the dispensation, which is distinctive arrangement, an exact period in the history of time. I want you to hear it though. It's coming in a certain arrangement. Everyone say arrangement. That there has to be an arrangement in place. And once the arrangement is in place, there's gonna be a period in time in history in the fullness of time, it calls it. I want you to write down that, those, that phrase, fullness of time. That he's going to gather together in one all things in christ both which are in heaven and that which is on the earth in him it's all going to be inside of god and it's an it's an it's an arrangement at a period of time in actual history this is not a figment of our imagination this isn't just something he's writing to give us, oh, well, this, it actually means this. It's not like a, an allegory, a theory. It's not just something to, to be like a puzzle that we have to put together. No, he's actually saying that there will be an arrangement. And once this arrangement takes place, there will be a period in the history of the earth where we will say heaven and earth have become one. And I believe that there's people that are living for that moment. And it's all going to happen when the time is full, like nine months of pregnancy when the belly's full. And so you see the same thing happen when Jesus is born, right? Galatians 4, 4 through 6. But when the fullness of time had come, they, the earth has already experienced the fullness of time once. <laughs> but when the fullness of time had come, God sent forth his son born of a woman, born under the law to redeem those who were under the law, that we might receive the adoption as sons. And because you are sons, I love this. And because you are sons, God has sent forth the spirit of his son into our hearts, crying out. Everyone write down, crying out. There's that groan. Crying out, Abba, Father. There's already been a fullness of time There's another fullness of time coming. And I think he's waiting for some people to get to nine months. You know that, you know that, I mean, I don't know that, but the women in here know that. Emily at like nine months was like, I'm ready for this thing to get out of me. I just saw some woman in the back. Yeah, praise God. It was a funny moment in our lives when Michelle, I'll never forget what Michelle was pregnant with. Was he Cal? And you were just, I mean, she's nine months, bigger than normal. God bless her. <laughs> so you don't even know to laugh. It's my sister, by the way. Um, and the anger over, get this thing out of me. But then once it's out, you're like, you forget all of the travail. You forget all of the pain, all of the pressure that got you there over the joy of what you're holding. And so he's waiting for the fullness of time. But I want you to see, I I actually don't think, and I want to submit it, I, I don't think it's as sovereign as we think. Don't worry, we'll get there. I want to look at that word crying out. My dad helped me kind of compile this last night. He sent forth the spirit of his son in the fullness of time so that we would cry. We would cry out. In Exodus, listen, 3, 7, the Lord said to Moses, surely I have seen the affliction of my people. I've heard their cry and know their sorrow. They have cried out and he heard them. In other words, he didn't hear anything until they cried. They cried out and he heard them. And then in verse 8 of Exodus 3, he said, "I, I am come down. I love that he calls his name. Remember, he says, I am that I am. In other words, God's saying, I am, myself, I came down to deliver them. And God waited 430 years to hear their cry, which we see in Exodus twelve forty. For 430 years, they had not cried. But finally, their afflictions reached the point that they began to cry out to God. And when they cried out, not till they cried out, God responded, right? Anyone ever, ever, ever studied from Malachi to the book of Matthew? 400 years of silence. And it's not till one shows up named John the Baptist. Again, here he is crying out. There's a cry, there's a groan, there's an asking. I think in the West, we become too prideful to ask. To long, to jump into this river of longing that messes us up inside, that makes us crazy, that makes us look like Matthew during worship. And you see this consistent pattern, not until his people cry does he move. He waits until they are in touch with their hunger, until they are in touch with their need. We need to get in touch with our need for him again. Psalms 18, listen, six and seven. David writes, in my distress, I called upon the Lord and I cried out to my God. He heard my voice from his temple. I love this. And my cry came before him. David's stressed out. David's going through it. You ever study David's life? The stuff the guy went through. Like we, we know the, the highlight moments. But even after he finally got to the throne, his own son's like, let's go against him. And people followed. He dealt with his whole life, pressure, difficulty, and it produced this potency on his life. So he's stressed out and he's calling out, crying out to the Lord. And here's God's response to his son when he begins to cry. The earth shook and trembled. One man's cry. The earth shook and trembled. The foundations of the hills also quaked and were shaken because he was angry. God's angry because David is stressed. I want you to see, like God's just waiting, come to me. Come to me, tell me, what's going on? You know, like the first step to prayer, life with God, go to him honest, go to him real, not your religious, you know, things you just say every single day when you pray. Tell him how you actually feel. Tell him when you're not hungry. Tell him when you're going through it. He's a father, right? And so the earths begin to quake. I love this, verses 17 through 15 through 17. Then the channels of the sea were seen. One translation says, David cries out, The earth shakes and the waves begin to reel themselves back. The foundations of the world were uncovered at your rebuke, O Lord, at the blast of the breath of your nostrils. He sent from above and he took me. He drew me out of many waters and he delivered me from my strong enemy. I'm telling you, 2024 is judgment of enemies of God. Then in verse 18, I love this. He delivered me because he delighted in me. Because I was his delight, I had this strength just to cry out. And because I was his delight, waves responded. And the earth shook. Now imagine a company of people in the earth that begin to cry out. And it's not just one son, but many sons. Is anybody crying out anymore? At the end of the Old Testament, it ends with the prophecy of the messenger of God who will come and he will prepare the way of the Lord in Malachi 3.1. The New Testament opens with the fulfillment of the prophecy through a man named John. And John the Baptist shows up and shows us how we prepare a way for the Lord. How do you prepare a way for the Lord? He cries out in the wilderness. And I wanna propose to you that he waits until forerunners begin to cry out. just follow it old and new testament he waits until forerunners begin to cry out before he comes this is why i'm saying i don't actually think it's that sovereign i think we forgot our piece in the puzzle i think we forgot our part in the story the creation is groaning for what the sons of god to do what to groan to cry out to take your place So these forerunners, they go ahead and I have been experiencing the reality, we have been experiencing the reality of this in Nashville. If you go, you forget, oh my gosh, we're starting over. Every time, guys, I'm here, every time, I'm listening to worship, the sound, I'm thinking, don't take for granted what you have in here. The pressure, the trial, the opinions of people, it's crazy. And God goes, remember your commitment to me. Remember, did you mean it? But he sends people to prepare the hearts of the people, preparing the way of the Lord, because listen, how he's received by the people when he comes is everything. And you see it, Matthew 23, he says it like this, you won't see me again. Listen, you won't see me again until, everyone say until, you say blessed is he who comes in the name of the Lord. And here's the context. We're not just talking about Jesus here in Matthew 23. Because the context in Matthew 23 is Jesus is in Bethany. Right, this has been our storyline. Jesus is in Bethany, but he's still weeping over Jerusalem. He's looking at his church and he says, I sent you prophets, but you killed them. I sent you messengers ahead of me, but you didn't receive them. So here's what I'm gonna do. Not until, everyone say until again, you say, blessed is he who comes in the name of the Lord, will I come? In other words, not until you receive those I send ahead of me, not until you receive the forerunners, not till you honor not just me, but my sons, not just me, but my bride, will I not come? This is why there's a bride being prepared. And not until the bride is prepared, say until again. It's a spirit and a bride. It's not just the spirit. It's actually, you know, the original says it's the spirit in the bride, crying out, come. And not until there's an and bride, not until you receive the forerunners will Jesus come. So every time he wants to show up, he finds a Moses. Every time he wants to show up, he finds a Joseph. He finds a David. He finds a John the Baptist and he sends them ahead of him to prepare a way. I don't wanna go through the desert, give me a highway. Make it easy on me. I wanna just read, you can turn, let's all turn to Luke nine. And as you're turning there, again, go to Luke nine. But you guys remember in Mark chapter six, Jesus goes to his own town and he starts healing people but he can't actually heal that many people. And at first they're astonished at what he's saying, because this is always how it works. Do a habitation, they're amazed. Then you start actually talking to them every week and the astonishment fades, right? At first they're astonished, but, but slowly but surely they start saying, but isn't this the carpenter? Is, we know him. We know his parents. We know his brothers and sisters. They're among us. Isn't this the carpenter? And it says he couldn't in Mark six. We're talking about Jesus, chromosome God. Waters support his feet. A star hangs above him at his birth. He calms storms, interrupts funerals, and he can't. He can't work many miracles in Mark six because they were familiar with him. Because the environment wasn't prepared for him, he couldn't work many miracles, so he left. So you get to Luke 9, listen, verse 51. You guys there? Now it came to pass when the time had come for, for him to be received up, that he steadfastly set his face to go to Jerusalem, and he sent messengers before his face. And as they went, they entered the village of the Samaritans to prepare for him. This is our mandate, prepare a place for God. To prepare for him, this is in the New Testament. But they did not receive him because his face was set for the journey to Jerusalem. I want you to listen to this. They weren't interested in where he wanted to go. They had their own plans. They weren't interested in what God was intending to do with Jerusalem they wanted them for him for themselves and because they weren't interested in what he wanted to do and it was just about their vision and their plan they don't receive him and it says in 54 verse 54 when his disciples James and John saw this they said lord do you want us to command fire to come down from heaven and consume them just as elijah did these sweet men and he turned and he rebukes them and he says you do not know what manner Spirit, you are of, for the Son of Man did not come to destroy men's lives, but to save them. But this next verse is sad. And they went to another village. I don't want the Lord to go to another city. I don't want him to come here. I don't want him to show up in Franklin or in Chicago and say, I'm not going to destroy them because I didn't come to destroy men's lives. I came to save them, but I can't receive me for them. So if they don't receive me, I'll just go to the next place. And I'm crying out, God, don't go to the next city. Stay with us. So then verses 57 through 62, all he talks about is the cost of discipleship. He wants someone to follow him. He says, I got to go bury my father. This is the way of the Lord's leadership. Let the dead bury their own dead. Merry Christmas. That's the Christmas message. Just gotta throw in a couple of Merry Christmases. Ho ho ho. So <laughs> said, I just want to tell my dad goodbye. Follow me. Count the cost. If you think Jesus is easy to follow, you're deceived. I, I've told you this before, but I had a leader one time tell me, you know, if you want to be a good leader, you gotta be someone that doesn't change lanes fast so people can follow you. And I thought to myself, you ever seen the Lord's leadership? Raise the dead. See you later. Cast out devils. How? You'll be fine. I'll pray for you. Hey, um, Peter, the enemy came to me. Like, what? The devil asked that he might sift you. I said, that's fine. I'll pray for you. Jesus is leadership. Don't worry, Peter. And And when you've been restored and you get through it and you get over yourself, go and help your brothers. Difficult is the way. You want to find life? Deal with some sifting. So you get to Luke 10, verse 1. After these things, the Lord appointed 70 others also. He sent them two by two before. Everyone say before. Before his face in every city and place where he himself was about to go. Before he goes to the city, he's curious is the city worthy? Go find out. This is New Testament, red letters. He said to them, the harvest is truly great, but the laborers are few. Therefore, pray to the Lord of the harvest to send out laborers into the harvest. And then he tells them to go on their way, he tells them to be careful. You will be lambs among wolves. And then he gets to verse eight. It says, whatever city you enter and they receive you, eat such things that are set before you. Heal the sick there. Say to them, the kingdom of God has come near you. Do you know what level of authority he's giving these men? When you get there, tell them the kingdom of God is near now. How offensive. Whatever city you enter and they do not receive you, go into the streets and say, I'm still figuring this one out theologically, but it's in red letters. It says, go into the streets and say the very dust of your city which clings to us, we wipe off against you. Nevertheless, The kingdom of God has come near you. But I say to you, it'll be more tolerable for the day for Sodom and Gomorrah than it is for you. What? Jesus is so intentional with how he comes. There's an arrangement. There's a way in which he comes. And he doesn't do anything without first sending men and women. He looks for forerunners. He looks for the apostolic. I believe that 2024, we're going to see a restoration, a true restoration of an apostolic movement. I'm not just talking about resignation. I'm talking about something that's going to cover the earth. And there's seeds. There's men like my father, like like Pastor Janine, Pastor Mark, my mother, men and women throughout the earth. And it's not just them. They're all over. And they're usually not received in their own generation. And what God does is he raises people that feel like they're out of time. You have a vision, but it's like you so desperately want to accomplish it in your time, but you were picked and chosen to be out of the time for the sake of ushering in the fullness of time. And God wonders, will this be the company that begins to cry out? Isaiah 40, I'm just gonna gonna read it really quick. Listen to this, verse three, the voice of one crying out in the wilderness, prepare the way of the Lord make straight in the desert a highway for God. Every valley shall be exalted and every mountain and hill brought low. The crooked places will be made straight and the rough places smooth. The glory of the Lord shall be revealed and all flesh shall see it together. Like we're gonna see it all at the same time, whether you're ready or not. And it goes on and it says, for the mouth of the Lord has spoken. The voice said, cry out. It's given us the pattern. Cry out. And he said, what shall I cry? And this is Isaiah's response, all flesh is grass. In other words, he's having a back and forth of what is my cry gonna do? What does it mean? How is it gonna even hold any weight? Flesh is grass, like the grass withers, the flower fades because of the breath of the Lord that blows upon it. Surely the people are grass, the grass withers. He repeats himself, the flower fades. But the word of the Lord stands forever. In other words, Isaiah's like, it's your word that stands forever. And in verse nine, O Zion, You who bring good tidings, get up to the high mountain of Jerusalem. You who bring good tidings, lift up your voice with strength. In other words, you might think that you're just nothing but grass, but he's responding, get to the mountain, lift up your voice with strength, lift it up, and don't be afraid. Say to the cities of Judah, behold your God. That's the call. Say, look at him behold, the Lord shall come with a strong hand and his arm, listen, and his arms shall rule for him. Behold, his reward is with them and his work is before him. He will feed his flock like a shepherd and gather the lambs in his arms and he will carry them in his bosom and gently lead those who are with young. Get to verse 29. It says he gives power to the weak. You got to get in touch with your weakness. And to those who have no might, he increases strength. Even the youths shall faint and be weary. The young men shall utterly fall. But those who wait on the Lord shall renew their strength. They're gonna mount up on wings like eagles. They're gonna run and not grow weary. They're gonna walk and not faint. That word wait means you are expecting it. It means to be, listen, binded together. You're binding yourself together with him you're so caught up in the storyline of heaven, you forgot about yourself. You forgot about your needs. You forgot about your troubles, your discouragements, your wants. Again, preparing your life for how you can do well on earth. And you get so caught up in the Lord's story, you start expecting the right things. Daniel 9 and 10, just write it down. We're gonna get to the Christmas part in a minute. Daniel 9 and 10. You don't have to turn there, but 9, 20 through 23 says, I want you to see this pattern. While he was speaking, talking about Daniel and praying, confessing my sin and the sin of my people, he was in touch with their brokenness and he became an intercessor on behalf of a nation. And he's presenting his plea before the Lord. He's crying out before God for the holy hill. Listen, for the holy hill of, of my God, it says. And while I was still speaking in prayer, the man Gabriel, this is the same angel that shows up to Mary. Something about Gabriel when people are crying out the fullness of time, angel. A man, Gabriel, whom I had seen in a vision at first, came to me in swift flight at the time of the evening sacrifice, and he made me understand, speaking with me, saying, oh, Daniel, I have now come to give you insight and understanding. At the beginning of your pleas, listen, listen to the language. When you started to plea for mercy, a word went out. I mean, he starts playing, it starts echoing through the chambers of heaven. And I have come to tell you that you are greatly loved. Wow. therefore consider the word and understand." and you get to Daniel 10:12. Then he said to me, "Fear not, Daniel, From the first day, it's so intentional. From the first day you set your heart to understand. and you started humbling yourself before God and asking. Your words have been heard. From that first day that you made it in your heart to cry out to God for mercy, it wasn't until that day that your words were heard. And I have come because, everyone say because. I have come because of your words, Daniel. I mean, we're talking about an Old Testament prophet doesn't have i mean dreamt of what we have today and an old testament prophet said heaven was silent didn't respond until your words started echoing through the heavens and i want you to know you're loved and we came because you started talking we came because you started asking he's attracted to those who cry out you see it all over the life of jesus He's attracted to those who cry out and he's repelled by those who think that they have it figured out. He's attracted to those who get on their knees. If my people who are called by my name will humble themselves and pray, turn from their wicked ways, I will hear from heaven. In other words, I don't hear until you get on your knees. I'm not responding until you get in touch with the fact you need me because I'm not interested in sharing I don't share glory with anybody. I desire to be all in all. You want me to come, get low, and start crying out. Okay, so we see this man in in this story. Go to Luke chapter two. And can I have the whole worship team come back? And now listen, I want you to play the blessing, honor, glory, power forever again in the same key. Thank you. All right. Most of the time when we get to Christmas, we talk about Mary, you know, Joseph, the wise men do the plays and all the stuff, and it's sweet. But I want to talk about two people that were a part of this story before any of them were ever born. Before John the Baptist was even a thought in Elizabeth's mind, before we hear about Mary, before we hear about Joseph... There's these two people and a company of people that we, that we see in Luke chapter two, and I'm almost done, that we see in Luke chapter two that are crying out for redemption. And this is before anybody shows up. And it's so quick in scripture, but I really wanna focus on it. Are you guys in Luke two? Go to verse 25. And I believe that today some of you older ones that have been crying out for a long time that have been seeking and bombarding heaven for years I pray that today you leave with a heart that says I'm not going to give up till I see it and I don't care if I'm 90 because the point is not for your benefit like I want you to see something there's people that are going to live their lives for this moment So you get to verse 25, and behold, there was a man in Jerusalem whose name was Simeon. It's cool because my brother mentioned him. I didn't know I was going to preach on him. This man was just and devout, waiting for the consolation of Israel, and the Holy Spirit was upon him. And it had been revealed to him by the Holy Spirit that he would not see death before he had seen the Lord's Christ. You see, when I read this, I thought about things I would hear my dad say growing up of I believe that my eyes will see a generation. I believe my eyes will see it. And I believe we have a Simeon sitting among us that's gonna see it. Say amen. So he came by the spirit into the temple. And when the parents brought the child Jesus to do for him according to the custom of the law, he took him up in his arms and he blessed God. And he said, Lord, now you are letting your servant depart in peace. I want you to see, he lived his whole life for this one moment. It was enough for him just to see him. And that word servant is bondservant. It was somebody that was, had fully given himself to God. For my eyes have seen your salvation, which you have prepared before the face of all peoples, a light to bring revelation to the Gentiles, the glory of your people Israel, And Joseph and his mother marveled at the things which were spoken of him. Then Simon blessed them and said to Mary, his mother, Behold, this child is destined, he begins to give him a pretty intense prophecy, is destined for the fall and rising of many in Israel, for a sign which will be spoken against. Listen to the intensity of these words. Yes, a sword will pierce through your own soul also, Mary, that the thoughts of many hearts will be revealed. My favorite song is, when you kiss, you know, Mary, did you know, when you kissed the face of your baby, did you know that you were kissing the face of God? She's holding God. Like this has happened, guys. In the flesh. What's it gonna be like when he comes with his full domain? Do we even want it? Are we asking for it? Now there was one, verse 36, Anna, a prophetess, the daughter of Phanuel, the tribe of Asher. She was of great age. She had lived with her husband. This makes me think of my teta. She had lived with her husband seven years from her virginity and the the woman was a widow for 80 of 84 years. I mean, this is an old lady. She's been a widow for 84 years and she's still burning listen what it said about her she didn't depart from the temple she's 84 years old and she doesn't leave the house of God and she served God with fastings prayers night and day this is a devoted old lady and continuing in that instant she gave thanks to the Lord And spoke of him to all those who looked for the redemption of Israel. I I want you to to see something. This wasn't just Simeon and Anna, there was a whole company at this time. You gotta understand what's the setting. In 63 BC, Rome invades Jerusalem, and Jerusalem loses its, its status as a nation. Jerusalem becomes scattered. Israel, no longer Israel, controlled, ruled, taxed, treated unfairly. Do you know that it's not till after World War II that they become a nation again? Look, we're talking about this is a moment in history where it's like the Lord waited until it was just right. The darkest moment. And in the darkest moment, it says, behold, they saw a great light. Don't don't be... Don't be disturbed by the things you see on the news. And and I have news for you. Like, I I think in many ways, in church today, we cry out more for a political answer. We talk more about the coming of Trump than we do the coming of the Lord. Now, let me be very clear. Trump wins the primaries. I just want to make this abundantly clear before the world. I'm voting for Trump over Biden, all right? I love I'm you know I know people hate him and stuff but he's he's a tool in God's hand okay let him be that tool forget about his tweets his personality just vote for righteousness all right so I got to make my disclaimer but you see don't get it twisted there's a ballot in the kingdom of God and it only has one name on it and there's no other names that are worthy to be on that ballot because he's the name above every name He's seated on a throne and he's not coming back in a manger. He's not coming back as a baby. He's not coming back as the humble king riding on the donkey. He's coming on a white horse with a name branded on his leg called King of Kings and Lord of Lords in Revelation 19. It doesn't just say one crown is on his head, but many crowns are on his head and that his eyes are on fire and a sword is piercing through his mouth to bring a dividing line. He's coming as a judge to make war is what Revelation 19 says. And I think in this hour, now I'm not against Santa, you do you, but we prepare our houses and our kids more for a Disney character than we do the coming of the Lord. And I think, have you forgotten what the Christmas season is actually about? What it's actually prophesying? It's judgment time in the fullness of time that's coming. He's gonna come, it says in Matthew 25. And he's going to separate the sheep from the goats. I mean, he's going to separate the wheats from the tares. And no one's going to hide from it. And if I really love you and I'm going to be a pastor, we're going to be ready for the fullness of time that's coming that was prophesied all the way back to a baby in a manger saying, I'm about to make billions just like me. Trump is not the answer. Politics is not the answer. You're concerned about Joe Biden. The domain of God is coming. Who the heck is Joe Biden? Like Congress, Senate, judicial branch, all the laws, all the stuff. Sure, fight for it. Go after it. Just remember there's a king with a sword in his mouth. And he sits in the heavens and he laughs. And he's looking for simians that are more focused on his coming than who's going to take office next. Be very mindful of what you give your heart to, your time to, the news. What benefit does it give you besides our need to just like know the gossip? Now, don't get me wrong. Pray, know what's going on. I always feel like I gotta disclaim myself. I'm a Republican, don't worry. <laughs> I don't understand how you can vote for babies being murdered and call yourself a Christian. I, I agree with that. It's so demonic and it's dumb. I, I vote for righteousness. Just make sure your blessed hope is not in Trump twenty twenty four, but but in Christ forever. It's not an eight year term. And I love this because Simeon comes with this word. And he says, he's gonna be the rise and the fall of many. In other words, there's nothing neutral about him. This isn't a bipartisan movement. This isn't a movement where he's gonna bring all faiths together. See, that's the problem with our nation is we think it's loving and accepting to accept all faiths. No, our nation was built on this is not a nation of all faiths. No such thing as all faiths. There's only one faith by which men can be saved. Tell them the truth. But this isn't bipartisan. Jesus isn't coming to bring the family together. Like you gotta understand, Matthew tells us that don't think, Jesus himself said in Matthew 7, don't think I came to bring peace, but a sword. And I'm gonna come into houses and I'm gonna cause division. Loving Jesus, baby. But his division is not unto division. His division is as I'm looking for forerunners that I can pull out of a household. And I'm gonna cause that whole household to look at the forerunner and wonder, and I, and God says, I'm going to get the whole house. I just need the John the Baptist. I just need the one, just the one that's willing to cry out. That's willing to give their life for the moment of Ephesians one of all things in heaven are going to become all things on earth. And I want the number one thing of my life. When I get up in the morning and I spend time with God, I want that Maranatha cry in my heart as a bride. You know, the, the, the scriptures say in Revelation 19, the the marriage supper of the lamb has come and the bride, everyone say the bride has made herself ready. In other words, God's like, I'm not going to do it for you. I've given you all things pertaining to life and godliness so much. So my very spirit dwells in you. What else do you need? You Worried about bills and Joe Biden? You, like when we talk like this, you see how silly and dumb that all becomes? We're talking about the God who sneezes out constellations. Isaiah 40 goes on and says, he measures the earth in the span of his hand. The psalmist tells us that he has to come down to the earth. He has to humble himself to look on constellations, to see the things that are happening in the universe. He has to get lowly to check on the Milky Way. And that God is gonna make his home on the earth. And he's setting up forerunners that have the spirit of Elijah and John the Baptist who are crying out and he's raising people like midwives that are gonna usher in the birth of not just a baby, but a whole family that's become the kingdom of God in the earth. Stand to your feet. Can I have a communion up here? (coughs) There's a Simeon, thank you sir, Simeon generation coming. if you follow along the stage is set there's never been a time in our history that's politically darker there's never been a time in history where schools have such demonic doctrine in them ever in history it's becoming more normal to, to, for children to decide their sex it's my Christmas message Let's sober ourselves this year. Let's finish 2023 right, so when we go into 2024, we're asking for the right thing. Forget your New Year's resolution. Start walking, jogging, just do it. You don't need to write it down on a piece of paper. Eat better, for crying out loud. But, what, but what? that's so, it's so about ourselves. May our 2024 resolution be the 5,000-year plan of he's about to reign his kingdom on the earth. And that's what I'm gonna write down and I'm gonna nail it on the wall and I'm gonna make it the point of my life that every day I say, come Lord Jesus, come. With tears streaming down my face, that my kids see my life, the whole thing like Simeon being prepared for this one moment, he's coming. Just like he did in a manger, he's coming. And may we not be like those who were looking for the military leader, the political guy, no. He was the most polarizing figure to ever touch the earth. He came not neutral. He came declaring there's only one way. And I'm just saying, if you thought that man was intense, wait till you see the guy who's got a whole army of horses and men who are all on fire. There's never been a time more ready more prepared. I sense the fullness of time coming when I look back at what I grew up with and men like my father and my mother and, and what we've been birthed out of, I think of Simeon's and Anna's who've been crying out for God If there's coming a people. And I believe that we're supposed to end this year crying out that Lord may 2024 not be about us. May it not be for, who cares if it's for our benefit May the kingdoms of this world become the kingdom of our God and his Christ. Come on, lift your hands. We're going to take communion in a minute, but just lift your hands. Lord, we're crying out for the fullness of time. Lord, I pray for a Simeon anointing, an Anna anointing, a spirit of intercession. What you've been doing for 2,000 years, this crying out, this before the Lord. God, I pray that you grip us. You grip us, God, in this new year like the Spirit of God that's within us, Lord, crying out, Abba, Father, on our behalf, Lord. May we get in tune with the Spirit's cry. May we get in tune, God, with the groan of heaven and creation, crying out for the manifestation of the sons of God. We come to you lowly, God, and we come saying, creation, we're here now. We're here now, and we've come to prepare a place for the Lord. He sent us ahead of him as forerunners we say dallas behold the lamb of god come on we say nashville behold the lamb of god chicago behold the lamb of god united states of america behold the lamb of god guys i believe that there's going to be a refreshing that's going to take place in prayer rooms in this house there's going to be a refreshing that's going to take place in your living rooms and your bedrooms i challenge you ask god for the spirit of intercession I want you to begin to lift your voices and ask him. Say, come, Lord Jesus, come. It's that Maranatha cry. We're not asking for some moment. We're not asking for something floating in the clouds. We're asking for the dominion of God to fill the earth. Come on, ask him. Cry out. We're almost done. Cry out. Thank you again for listening to the Habitation Podcast. I pray that your life was impacted and most of all, your heart drawn closer to the Lord. Stay up to date with us by going to habitationministries.org where you can follow us, the events we have going on around the world. You can become a financial partner and most of all, you can partner with us through prayer. And lastly... If you're interested in joining our membership school, please visit schoolofhabitation.org to find out more. For only $50 a month, you can join our worldwide online community and receive live weekly teaching from myself, guest speakers, and other SOH pastors. We will also have online discipleship, Bible reading, and prayer rooms. Be sure to check it out today.